If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Dr. Tara, and this is Hopeful Hints, a podcast where you'll receive quick, hopeful hints on all things women's health and infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace and empowerment as you walk through the next steps in your healthcare journey. Welcome to Hopeful Hands. I'm your host, Dr. Tara, and I have probably one of my most favorite people in the world on, Lisa Raya. Her and I met through infertility advocacy work. Um, she lives in South Dakota. She has been a warrior behind advocacy and legislation work to preserve fertility and infertility in the state of South Dakota. And we've just grown an amazing friendship. And she's going to share a wild, wild journey through so many things. Fertility, miscarriage, gaslighting and her medical journey. So thank you, Lisa, for sharing your story with everybody today and being on Hopeful Hands. Thank you, Tara. I am so blessed to be here and being able to share my success was obviously a very long journey, difficult road full of lots of ups and downs and turns in order to get here today. My journey goes all the way back to um, 2015. That's when this whole journey started. My husband and I got married in December 2014, and we wanted to have kids pretty much right away because we're, we're not, you know, young teenagers or 20-year-olds anymore. We were very blessed to conceive almost right away. So in end of July, early August of 2015, I tested positive for being pregnant. Usually when I say test positive, but it's for COVID. Test positive for pregnancy. And absolutely was overjoyed. I mean, so many people try for years and we were barely trying. So I was overjoyed. When we went to Vegas, September of 2019, I started spotting. And I got concerned, called the nurse, the after hours nurse. They told me to monitor. A couple of days of monitoring, and they told me to go to the ER. So in Vegas, on our vacation, we went to the ER, and that's where I was told that there was no heartbeat. I was in complete disbelief. So the entire time I'm still there, I am laying in the hospital or the hotel room, taking all my medications, trying to make sure that I can do what I can to preserve this pregnancy. But we get home, and they, uh, my doctor's here in Sioux Falls confirm that it is a miscarriage. So and I did elect because I was already going through days of bleeding. I did elect to have a DNC in order to be able to continue to move forward because it was very hard emotionally to bleed as heavily as I was for days and just deal with that loss. 
So our first, we, when our hearts believe that it was a girl, Poppy was born on September 17th, 2015. And that was our first loss. We still celebrate her birthday every single year because she's our first. Like many, we, they, we were told, you know, miscarriage, it happens. It happens to about one in four. And so that there was no reason that we wouldn't be able to get pregnant and have a child. So we, as soon as we were cleared, we tried again. And to our surprise, we got pregnant right away. So it was amazing. Absolutely overjoyed. But that joy turned into terror again at Christmas when I lost. We lost our baby Poppy at nine weeks. And here I am losing our baby. We called it Apple at 10 weeks old. We lost had her on December 29th, 2015. So our Christmas, New Year's baby. After two losses right around that, you know, nine, 10 weeks after we've already had a confirmed heartbeat and after we are told the risk has been decreased because we've seen the heartbeat multiple times, our OB, she actually recommended that we go to the reproductive clinic early. Most women have to wait for three losses, which is horrible to say that. I, no one should ever have to suffer even one, but for three, but because of the timing of mine being at the point where they were um, believing it was a genetic disorder, that's where I got to go in early. Thousands and thousands of tests, hundreds of needle pricks for myself, for my husband to find out we're perfectly healthy. You know, normally I'd love to say that, but when you're coming from the infertility world, it's devastating news because you just want an answer. You want to know what's wrong, why you're continuing to lose, why you're not able to bring home this bundle of joy when so many others truly can just you know, look at someone and bring home that baby. So I was happy to know that there wasn't anything wrong. But so then we tried with time cycles. We just timed with medicated time cycles, regular time cycles. Eventually, we moved to IUI. With IUI, we actually did conceive our baby Jellybean. And we call, it, we call her again. We're assuming her JB, I initials, our little true bundle of joy, our miracle, was we were ecstatic, truly over the moon because... We got through that nine and 10 week where we had lost our previous two. We just announced to family about 16 weeks along that we were expecting. We go in for our 20 week anatomy scan. And that's when we've never been to one before because we've lost at nine and 10 weeks. And the tech doesn't show us her baby and is like, oh, let me check on this. Thought it was odd, but I can't question anything because I didn't know different. And that's when another tech comes in and tells us the news that there's no heartbeat. So we lost our baby Dolly Beam about 17 and a half to 18 weeks along. So I was carrying her with me for almost um, two and a half weeks without a heartbeat. For honestly, I swore I felt her kick days before that. Absolutely devastated because we've never made it that far and swore. This was our chance to finally bring a child into this world that I could hold in my arms. But other plans ensued 
knowing that we wanted to send, have testing done to find out what was wrong, what caused this, what, what did I do, what could be done differently, we opted to have a DNC in order to have that completed. Plus, knowing that I was caring for two and a half weeks, I knew it would be hard to look at our child not in the proper shape in order to hold in my arms and say goodbye. So unfortunately, after the DNC, there was a mistake and the our daughter's remains were put into the preservative fluid before they could do testing. So we'll never know why she lost. We lost her. We did find out it was a her because we, my surgeon, she was adamant to find out a reason why. So she did do an autopsy to can say to find out that everything looked normal, that there appeared to be no reason for the loss. During this time, I'm constantly questioning myself, wondering what I should be doing, what I could do differently. And so I was trying to eat healthier, trying to exercise, but not too much because too much is bad. Got to eat this, but not too much because that's bad. Just trying to do everything I could. My family has a history of thyroid issues, Hashimoto's and thyroid cancer and hyperthyroidism, hypothyroidism, you about name it, protein S deficiency. So we had, I tested under the up and down the gamut and my levels always came back in range. But after I lost Jelly Bean on April 28th, 2017, so which is very ironic because that is also National Infertility Awareness Week. Uh, whenever we celebrate her birthday, I always just remember that it's part of Infertility Awareness Week. So we celebrate even more because she's part of the reason I'm able to be where I'm at. But back to the thyroid, I knew that something had to be wrong. People are unlucky, but who is unlucky this many times and who can carry to 20 weeks a perfectly healthy child and not have anything wrong? Did you have to bring up you wanted testing or did your provider bring up we should do some testing? Our, prov our provider did a little bit more for testing because it was, I believe, after Jelly Bean then that we were able to do the full panel of my, the DNA panel, where you're able to check all the chromosome abnormalities. I forget what that's called. But we were able to have the full blood work panel testing done of ourselves because prior to that, they were saying everything's normal, so we're going to continue moving forward. But after it, and I came back a carrier for cystic fibrosis. So then we were able to test my husband and found out he is not. We have nothing that lines up, so there's no reason that this should have occurred. Did they adjust anything in your plan going forward or say, carry on, Lisa, keep trying as normal? Like, was there any adjustments or changes or next step discussion? Throughout it, we did adjust maybe the amount of progesterone, and that was about it. We did try testosterone, but I did not react well at all to it. My levels got completely out of alignment, and so that did not work for my system. But for the most part, we were only adjusting um, estrogen and progesterone levels to ensure that they were within the range of what they would like for pregnancies. It was after my third loss, though, that I just I felt like there had to be something wrong. But I was trusting my doctors and they just said everything looks normal. And so that's where I was talking to my family. My um, cousin, Megan. She also suffered a loss and was talking to me about how she started researching and learning more about 
your thyroid and how important it is in your overall health. And so she started seeing dentin cones. And so that's where I was like, okay, and was talking to me about it and going, she's on a natural thyroid, which then her levels, just like mine now, we are not within the normal range, but our body is good. So what's normal for me or the range is not what's normal for me. So my body, my levels, and what I need in order for my body to be healthy is not what's the typical range. And that's where it was fantastic working with Denton because then he looked at my skin, my hair loss, my energy levels, my and not just a number. And so I was able to, around that time, get on a natural thyroid medication. We were still trying to adjust my levels to figure everything out. But I finally felt like, okay, now I figured out what's wrong. So I'm working on my thyroid. That's what's got to be the problem. Well, with that, I... Around that time too, then, or shortly after, I, we decided, you know what, obviously things aren't working well for us. Let's keep, you know, we tried again. We tried IUI about three more times and it didn't work. So we moved on to IVF. With IVF, we had, we were cheat retrieved. I think at that time we retrieved four eggs or six eggs turned into four embryos and we transferred two. We had one left because one didn't grow. So we had one left. We sent that one for testing. The one that came back from testing abnormal. So it was discarded. But the two that we transferred turned into our beautiful twins, MB and Rose embryos. And unfortunately, M, um, MB and Rose were born on December 26, 2017. So there was, again, we did testing. There was absolutely no reason why we should have lost them. And so now I'm just completely dumbfounded. We did IUI, medicated. We did timed intercourse, medicated intercourse, IUI, IVF, all resulting in the same failure. Um, starting to, you know, I was changing my thyroid medication. So I'm like, that. what else is there? And that's when we started looking outside of our current clinic here in Sioux Falls. I consulted with a physician in Chicago. He was dumbfounded to see the uh, thickness of my medical history, but didn't have any answers. Uh, we then also went down to Omaha and consulted a physician, another specialist, reproductive specialist down there. She thought she had an answer for us, but she wouldn't see me being on my natural thyroid medication because she said that that was going against what the typical protocol was for helping women achieve a healthy pregnancy. Well, although she had high success rates, I felt better than I have felt in years. And so I was like, well, then this is not the person for us. So we continued forward in our journey. It was at that time, though, where... We're going, we want a child. Our reproductive clinic had no other options for us. So they're kind of discarding us. We kind of like, we went through their checklist. They had nothing for us. So I'm looking, trying to figure out what can we do. Um, and it was in, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember this, in April? April of 2017. So right before, right after we lost Jelly Bean, before we lost our twins, my dear friend, Kimberly, offered to be our surrogate. But we told her, no, we weren't ready. And so that, but then after we lost the twins, we decided, let's consider this. 
So we decided we're going to move forward. And we retrieved, let's see, one egg that turned into one embryo. And so that was our one chance. And we're like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. We had a loss in April of 2018. Again, actually, I messed up those dates. Sorry. She offered right after our April 2018 date. I apologize. So we lost our twins, and then we lost in April of 2018 to Chance. I felt like that one was a boy. And after that loss, I was just devastated. We tried on our own. We just tried natural and lost again. And so that's where I was like, I've tried my thyroid medications. I've tried everything under the sun. And that's when my good friend Kimberly offered to be our surrogate. And we're like, oh my gosh, surrogacy just, it felt, it felt like it wasn't even an option because you only hear one of the horror stories and two of the astronomical costs and the complexities. And I had no idea of anybody that ever have completed a journey before and nobody to turn to, no resources. With my background, the first thing I did was go and research the laws in South Dakota and there's no laws. So there's absolutely no guidance, no starting point, nothing for us to go through and forward with this. So we paused for a second, thought about it, had to save up because it does cost a lot to go forward with that journey. But we did get, or we like, no matter what, we need to move forward. So we took out loans, saved up. We had, both of us had multiple two, three jobs, sold things we didn't need and went through fundraisers, you about name it. But we did retrieve one egg. That one egg turned into one embryo. And on August 18th, 2019, she delivered our son. So while she, that is just overjoyed the entire time we were going through this process, getting ready to transfer, she's feeling horrible going, you have one egg, you have one embryo. What happens if um, I miscarry or it doesn't take? And I just look at her and I go, I have at that time a zero for five average, so I'm not batting very well um, for the sports phonetics there. But I go, she's had two successful pregnancies one loss in between, but that was so early. And of course, we know people lose. I go, she's going to give our embryo the best shot at life. Way better chance than I could ever have given because we had no idea why I kept losing. And so we transferred. And as I said, it resulted in our son. But the entire time, my husband and I, he's a data analyst. So he is truly looking at this from that IT perspective going, there's something wrong. There's got to be something wrong. And it was frustrating to me too, to just get told time and time again, you're just unlucky. You're just unlucky. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Nobody's this unlucky. There's got to be something. And so even while she was pregnant, um, we tried. We actually, she was pregnant and we lost, lost on January 10th, 2019. That was our little hope. We lost her. And then we tried again, and we were actually supposed to be due with Hope the same time that our surrogate was due. So we were planning on having twins if it would have carried through. We were nervous going, man, it could be 
twins, triplets, quadruplets, if something happens. So we were planning for all the different scenarios, but never would have planned for another loss. But the worst part is what I never, ever, ever expected was for us to get pregnant and to lose again the same week that our surrogate was delivering. I lost our daughter, Nessa, on August 18th, 2019, three days before our son was born. So while I'm still bleeding and still recovering, I'm there holding our son and kind of being overjoyed with all the emotions of having him here. And through all this, they're still telling me that you're unlucky, that there's uh, nothing we can do for you. And at this point, we've given up seeing the reproductive clinic for ourselves because there was nothing else for them to do for us. So I started at that point uh, going, my husband and I wanted more children. So while I'm caring for Easton, I am seeing an, an oriental acupuncturist trying to figure out what is, what's with my body, going the very natural route. There is some history focusing on the ancient medicine as to individualized medication and bodies and how they respond. And so that's where I started focusing my time and attention. I go, if Western medicine isn't solving this, and we tried every possible scenario and it's not working for me, that means I need to figure out what will work for me. And so that's where I started with the acupuncturist. He was fantastic to work with. I went in multiple times a week, had the medications, was on a strict diet. The diet was the Mediterranean diet, which, of course, it's everyone tells you very healthy, the natural fruits and veggies and the lower carbs, focusing on the minimal inflammation foods so your body can be very focused and healthy. Well, as I was not excited about, we were, we lost again. We lost our Charlie on January 6, 2020. In a weird way, that was a blessing because we were supposed to have flown over to Pittsburgh, but with COVID, we were nervous, so we had a reason to stay home. I try to find the silver lining in that one. But it was still another why. What's wrong? And that's where I started really looking into all of the reproductive immunology, because that's what our acu my acupuncturist kept saying is, here's what your body needs. Here's what your body needs. And kept talking about individualized medication for each person and what each body needs. And so as I'm doing my research and I'm looking into all of the reproductive immunologists in the entire U.S., and there's only like four, to discover what it takes in order to adjust to each person. And as I said before, with my thyroid, the one size fits all does not apply. And that's where I realized, okay, then what do I need? So unexpectedly, though, we did conceive before I could figure out what I need. And we had our Charlie on June 15th, 2020. I lost every single one of my pregnancies minus chance. Chance was early. That one was shortly. That was right at five weeks. We did not see a heartbeat. And every other one was nine and 10 weeks and jelly bean at 20. So I always saw the heartbeat at least twice. And so that was why I'm like, I knew something had to be wrong or I knew something needed to be changed with my body. If I could carry to 20 weeks, 
And if I can get pregnant, I there's got to be something out there to help me. There's I've heard so many miraculous stories of women finally being able to carry. And then the next I was always story I was always being told is you're getting too old. And I go, I'm like, no, women can carry up until, you know, they go through menopause. What is wrong? Why can't I do this? And so as I'm looking into reproductive immunology, that's when I discover the books, Is Your Body Baby Friendly? And so we're I'm reading up all about the different types of issues that your body can have and how to address them. And as I'm reading this, I'm reading about Hashimoto's, which my family has, and all the symptoms of Hashimoto's, which when I was talking to Denton, he said I was borderline of having Hashimoto's. He goes, so we're trying to get it under control before it gets, you know, full blown. So when I have that in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I need to take care of Hashimoto's. That's what could be a good indication because that means my body's inflamed. That means my body is reacting. So in my research then, in order to address the Hashimoto's, I went gluten-free. I've been gluten-free for years and oh my gosh, my body feels amazing. It's fantastic. Hard to sometimes go out and eat, but my body feels amazing. I drew the book, Is Your Body Baby Friendly? I was able to find out that women with, that have had multiple losses who have inflammation issues, you know, like Hashimoto's, that you can do an autoimmune protocol in order to carry out a pregnancy. And so that's when I'm talking to our amazing Tara here because I'm going, all right, am I crazy? There is research behind this. There's reproductive immunologists out there that have done this before that have helped hundreds of women across the U.S. This has been used in other countries. Why is this something that we can't do? I even actually, at one of my appointments, talked to my reproductive endocrinologist about natural killer cells and the, your body, and they had no response. So I was pretty astonished by it to, because they said they'll test, but that it wasn't part of their protocol. But I'm like, but I'm not fitting in the protocol. I need to look outside the box. If I'm not fitting in it, let's find a different box. I mean, that's, we need a bigger box then. So let's start looking in the a toolbox if I'm not fitting in the crayon box. So let's look at all the options. And with Tara then, we looked at it and we discovered, yes, you check off all the boxes for needing that autoimmune protocol. And back in January of 2021, I called Tara to say, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant again. Please help me. I've already had 10 losses and we did the autoimmune protocol. I was on Lovenox, I was on prednisone, I was on progesterone, I was on estrogen, you about name it, I was on it, my natural thyroid, prenatals, baby Tylenol, the list is great, but the reward is even greater. My daughter Morgan was born on August 2nd, 2022. She did decide to come seven and a half weeks early, almost eight weeks early, but she is here. She's almost about ready to celebrate her first birthday, and I carried her. I carried her 
to near term, some clearly happy, healthy, amazing little mini me, redhead, fighter personality, blue eyes, very much a people person. And I owe it all to the amazing dedication of such an enormous team. Tara being there by my, by my side, looking up all the research with me, my OB, who is truly just going, I don't know this, but I'm here to support you, whatever you need, because she knew how much raised time, effort, and research I put into this, all the extra appointments. It was so worth it in the end. And I'm crying. Sis. I just, I want to just, I wish we would show video, but we're not going to right now. But I just want to say, first of all, thank you for sharing this. I know as I can see you, because I can see you and hear you, how hard it is every time you talk about it. And I just want to validate that everything you went through, like, the thing that I kept hearing in your story is you knew you had a feeling, you knew something wasn't right, and you kept pushing. But how exhausting that must have been for you. Can you just share more about the mental health of going through and having no one give you an answer, but you know, or you want to try this and not being heard, or they are dismissing things you want to try and that part of it? It's... I'm not just going to say the emotional, but it's physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, financially draining to suffer infertility. It is so hard to want something that comes so natural to so many others. I have friends that and family that are able to almost, like I said, look at their significant other and bring home a child nine months later. And so it's so hard. You know, just that emotional going part going, I want that. And to read the stories of people who don't take care of their kids and all those horror stories, you just, you cry going, I would be such an amazing mom. I want this so bad. And so it was emotionally just draining, mentally draining because you're constantly told oh just relax it'll happen oh don't worry about that oh if you need to lose weight yes I needed to lose probably like five or ten pounds but I didn't have a lot of weight to lose so all the extra advice was just mentally draining on you because people they know best everybody else thinks they know best to be told so many different pieces of wisdom from others that have carried before but don't know your story and don't know how much you've tried because you're trying to put on a smiley face because infertility is still kind of taboo. People don't want to talk about all the negative. They You hear the word miscarriage or stillborn or you talk about losses or struggling and it becomes dead silent. But that's where we need more support for women because it truly is. And even men. My, it was so hard on my husband as well, not just me, so hard on my husband. But we do need that help because it is, as I said, mentally, emotionally, just that psychological, physically. I got myself almost physically sick sometimes, working myself up, trying to be the best me there possibly could be or trying to put on a bright, happy face when all I wanted to do was cry. and working three jobs, trying to 
come up with the funds in order to have that next test done to figure out, well, what's, what is wrong? It has to be this, or let's try this because there is no true answer or one size fits all. So it is very, very draining and hard on any person who suffers infertility. Can you share more about the impact that going through all of this over, what did you say, nine or 10 years? What did that have on your marriage, your coworkers, your job, your family, your friends? What did that look like? Yeah. The first loss, everyone was supportive because you're suffering a loss. And we truly never expected a miscarriage. No one ever does. And so we told people after the eight-week scan, and of course, then we're losing at 10 weeks. So it was so hard. At the same time, too, I'm glad we told people because then they knew what I was going through. But it was after the fourth or fifth loss where I almost became ashamed to say anything because it felt like I was the person crying miscarriage instead of wolf, where really I just, I wanted someone to reach out and give support, but the support started to wear on everyone because it was a lot for many years. Going through this for, you know, eight and a half years as of right now, it was a lot on me, a lot on my family, a lot on my husband. My husband and I, we struggled not just you know with the loss but we did struggle ourselves we are an amazing couple we've we knew something like this could tear apart most couples and to go through as many losses as we had any loss a significant loss can tear a couple apart and knowing this we we forced each other to talk to tell us what each one of us needs because we both were grieving in different ways. Men and women grieve completely different. I was sobbing almost uncontrollably in bed and he was trying to put on a, you know, happy, I got it together face for me. And so when I yelled at him one time going, you don't even feel anything. This is just another like day for you. That's when he actually snapped at me and, real and said, you don't realize that I don't need 20-minute half-hour showers. He goes, but the, I, I need to be strong for you. And when then after that moment, after we finally talked and realized, what do you need? What do I need? We knew how to support each other through all of this. But even with that, we were going through so much, just the loss and then the trying, the constant searching, the constant just pain and the appointments, the, um, the not knowing. So we did. I myself individually went to therapy and I encourage so many people to go through it for anything in life because it is great to have a, someone to talk to and just get everything out without being, having somebody there that knows the whole story. The whole story. You can truly think everything through. But then my husband and I went together because we wanted to make sure that we were focusing on everything the way we should be focusing on it or getting help to address how we should be communicating or what we can do differently. But it was hard because even throughout the entire journey, I looked at my husband. He is the last, until my son, he was the last of Raya. And so the name would have died with him. 
And so I knew how important it was for him to have a biological child in order to carry down the name. And so I told him, I go, if that's important to you, do we, and I asked him, I go, do you want to get divorced? Because I want you to have everything, or I wanted my husband to have everything that he possibly could have his entire life. And if that meant it wasn't with me, I was willing to sacrifice that to ensure that he could have everything he wanted. But of course, no, he didn't want that. He wanted us, still wanted to figure out his determination, his, you know, that IT analytical side, wanting to figure out what was wrong. And so we kept pushing through and have our now two children and our 10 angels. But it was hard. It is, you know, people say parenthood is hard. Infertility is extremely hard. I just want to thank you for sharing that. That is such important tips and information for couples out there because I don't think the general public understands the impact that this disease, including miscarriage one in four, infertility one in six, but the impact it has on relationships and marriage. And this validates others listening that can identify with exactly what you are going through. Like, just divorce me then. Like, just be done with this. It's fine. Here's your out, you know, and how hard that is to get to have to say it to the point of having to say that. I mean, it was absolutely a hard topic to bring up, but it was something that we needed to discuss to ensure that our goals were still aligned, what we wanted for our future, because neither one of us ever intended to get divorced, but we also never thought we'd suffer infertility. So we make sure that what we both wanted was still in alignment. But we had Thankfully, our family was supportive from a distance because it's hard to support somebody going through a a journey that they've never gone through. I've had, you know, a cousin and a sister who's gone through miscarriages, but all of them have children. And so it was hard to relate to so many people. And so most of my family supported us from a distance. The one who supported me the most was actually my brother and his wife, who they lost their son at 16 weeks old from SIDS and completely different type of loss, but just that loss of a child and knowing how much pain it comes on a family was reassuring to be able to talk to somebody in a different type of light. They could not relate on the infertility aspect, but it was wonderful to have somebody to talk to about a loss and recognizing the loss and speaking our child's, all 10 of our angels, so all 12 of our children, recognizing them. And they were willing to do that. From a work perspective, it's hard to suffer infertility if you are at a company that's not supportive. When I suffered my first losses. I was at a job that was so, so supportive. When I suffered my 20-week loss, I was not at a very supportive employment. And they did try, but what every person needs when they're suffering from infertility is different. And it is a very private thing that they're going through. But yet when you're suffering from it and you have to talk about it at work, then then tell people why you're not smiling or why you're missing 
work, you ha- your private life is now becoming public. And it's hard to say that. Well, I did actually take a step back in my career. I was in my almost dream job at the time, took a step back and focused on my family. My uh, grandmother went to hospice and my grandfather was uh, suffering from other medical illness. I suffered the 20-week loss at that time and just had a lot going on. So I took a step back and got a job that I could just punch in, punch out, attend all my appointments without any question. I had a, definitely a supportive boss who suffered from infertility as well to be able to go through that next phase of my career. I am so blessed and thankful that I did that. It was not what I wanted to do financially at all or for my career, but looking back, it couldn't have been a better thing to do because it allowed me to take me there for my grandparents. It allowed me the time to address my medical areas that I needed to and really evaluate what was my priorities. And now I have such an amazing job too. I'm so thankful and blessed. And I know I wouldn't be here without that step back. So it's definitely a blessing in disguise that it worked out this way. But I really wish it wouldn't have been this crazy of a journey. Thank you, Lisa, for sharing that. What tips as we close here do you have for women who might be in a very similar or the same uh, walks that you were in, or maybe even looking back at the beginning, what would you have changed or done differently, if anything? Absolutely. That is a wonderful question. A couple things that, how I kind of word this is, if if I wish I would have known in the beginning to advocate for myself, you're going in, if you're going through infertility, you're going into an arena where it's almost the complete unknown. The reproductive endocrinologists, they are amazing. They're talented. They are great. They are some of the most wonderful people I know, but they also have a lot of patients and they uh, go through the protocols to make sure that they treat everyone fairly. If you aren't meeting that protocol, keep asking questions. Advocate for yourself. I pushed early to have my thyroid tested and it came back always within range, but I did not know to have the reverse numbers tested. I needed to research and learn and so I I should have advocated for myself more. Keep asking those questions. Don't be afraid to speak up and ask to have a test done. And if you're not getting the information, look elsewhere. As I said, I went and asked a doctor in Chicago. I checked in Omaha and now I'm working with Tara. I got different opinions to see. You might get the same answer, but you're getting another opinion just to see what is out there and find the person that works best for you. There's a variety of doctors out there, you know, reproductive endocrinologists, reproductive immunologists as well to be able to help you. So look for the answers and truly, you know your body. You are the only you that is out there. So you know how you feel. You know how you respond to situations. There are medications. There are tests that can tell you things on paper, but you know your body the best. So advocate for yourself. Speak up if you have a concern and don't give up. It'll happen in the end. That was perfect, Lisa. I just sincerely want to thank you again. I know 
you're very open about this, but every time you talk about it, it's almost like ripping the wound open again. So I literally, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you because you are helping someone. Every time you share, you are helping somebody. So thank you again for being here. I'm going to put Lisa's information. She's very open, very willing to connect with you. If you need somebody to to walk beside you, it's always nice to even have one person. Personally, for me, I found it better to connect with people I didn't know that I've never met to this day, but we still talk when going through some of this. So if you need Lisa, she's more than willing to be there for you. So thank you again, Lisa, for being on Hopeful Hints. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over and hit subscribe or leave a review for Hopeful Hints and Infertility Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week, Tuesday. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.